Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. Here's an opportunity. Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Goldberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. It's done. PSG have finally gotten their 11th Ligue 1 Uber Eats title over the line with a game to spare. Lens will be in the Champions League group stage next season. Marseille now have a tricky route to join them, though. It could be worse. They could be Monaco or even Nantes, for whom Ligue 2 is now looming like a Monday morning. That said, you can count on Le Beaujeu, the official Ligue 1 podcast, to brighten up your Mondays. And along with Jonathan Johnson, Jeremy Magon, and myself, Ian Holyman, we've got another belter for you today. Where else to start then on the penultimate weekend of Ligue 1 Uber Eats action for the 2022-2023 season, apart from Strasbourg, where Paris Saint-Germain were looking to wrap up an historic 11th Ligue 1 Uber Eats title. They just needed a point. Andy Scott saw this one. Loaded down by Diallo, really well played. Diallo's shot. Great strike from Diallo, off the upright. Well, Donnarumma was beaten. Abib Diallo is a player who Strasbourg will surely struggle to keep hold of. After this season, he has been superb. That was nearly a 21st goal of the campaign for the Senegal international. Mbappe against Colin Dagba. It's a great ball from Mbappe from Messi. It is a tremendous goal, and the connection between Mbappe and Messi pays off again. They've been a joy to watch at times this season, and that was the case again there. PSG haven't created much tonight, but the goal comes from Mbappe getting on the end of Danilo Pereira's long ball forward. Messi just jogging into a bit of space, first touch. He didn't look up, he knew where the goal was, fires it beyond cells. Into the far corner, it's a 16th league goal this season for Lionel Messi. Camero, Kevin Camero, laid off a Solson, great save, Donnarumma. The rebound has gone in, and it's Kevin Camero, the ex-PSG player, who makes it 1-1. Bedlam inside the stadium, the president, Mark Keller, with a smile on his face, the coach, Frederick Antonetti, not getting too carried away. But a point tonight will guarantee Strasbourg's survival. And they're on course to get that now. Donnarumma keeping out the shot by Sonsong, but in the end it was not an especially convincing save because it returned the ball to the feet of Camero. Danilo Pereira having a fresh air swipe on the line. It's a tenth goal this season for Camero, a player who won the league and title with PSG a decade ago. We're going to erupt in celebration here. Strasbourg staying up, and Paris Saint-Germain winning the Ligue 1 title. Paris Saint-Germain, for the 11th time in their history, are champions of France, it's a record. They have overtaken Saint-Étienne as the most successful club in the French game, and nine of their titles have come in the last 11 seasons, a decade of dominance. Well, gentlemen... It feels like it has been about three seasons coming, this 11th uh, league 1 title. I saw an interesting article in The Keep yesterday, which was to rate the seasons under QSI, under the, the Qatari investors. This season ranked second last, and it ranked only above the very first season in which PSG were actually pipped to the title by Montpellier. Is that fair, JJ? I mean, I think it's certainly fair uh, to be discussing how sort of um, uh, underwhelming this season has been uh, from a PSG point of view, especially when you bear in mind sort of how the the season went on break uh, going into the World Cup. PSG were in, you know, really good form and it promised, uh, you know, to be quite a successful season. And that's just completely, uh, you know, uh, fallen away. Uh, you know, since the since the World Cup, so I I do think that that's justified. Uh, and obviously, there was massive amount of disappointment at the end of the first season uh, of Qatari ownership when Montpellier did get that title over the line, and that's sort of what kicked 
um, you know, PSG into life in terms of getting Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Thiago Silva to to come and join the the project. Uh, I mean, I imagine that sort of the titles between 2013 and 2016 rank uh, up there as the the best. That was when PSG was sort of, you know, really dominant across every cup competition. And of course, there were two cups back then. But, you know, it really does feel like this, like you said, it's, it's this, this title has been coming for a long, long time. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a relief for everyone now that the, the tedium of, of PSG sort of slowly rolling towards this title is, uh, is now over. And, you know, sadly, it's also detracted from what's been a phenomenal season for Lens as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it, to be honest, it feels like the last couple of title wins for PSG have been somewhat underwhelming. But yeah, definitely this one, you know, would probably uh, top the, the pile. It's probably also due to the fact that expectation was so high, wasn't it? I mean, Neymar, Mbappe, Messi for a second season. Also saw an interesting article in the Keep saying that, that basically when... Um, when those three have played together, PSG actually have been better. I mean, it, maybe it's no real huge surprise. Brilliant Brazilian, uh, seven-time Ballon d'Or winner and Kylian Mbappe playing alongside. They do make a team better. They actually even uh, conceded uh, fewer goals with those three on the pitch, which sort of lays the lie of of, of those three causing PSG more problems than they, than they actually solved. But, I mean, Jeremy, I put this in the context of you being a Marseille fan. Uh, so that 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 already there's already a little nuance to to your opinion on this, but but looking at PSG at this season, winning the league is 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 basically has become the minimum, right? That's 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 you've got to, you've got to do that. But what's 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 the real disappointment? They, they've won it. They they they're eleven time league league and champions. Is it is the manner that they've played, or, or are we really talking about they've not done it in Europe this season? I think Jedges hit it on the nail. I think it's the the World Cup in the middle that really split that season in half. I mean, they start the season with what, 17 goals scored in the first three games, plus the four that they scored to Lille in the Trophée des Champions. And it looked like we've all called it in, in every platform that we've talked to. It looked like Neymar and Messi were just ramping up to be ready for the World Cup. And, and you know, obviously, Messi did okay uh, during that tournament. So when after that, they don't perform... When you get, you know, you get out of the Coupe de France against Marseille, the arch rival. When you're not allowed to get through the the round of 16 against, you know, a, a great team uh, that that is the Bayern Munich. There is of of course disappointment because for that second season of Messi, things started so well and everybody played well. And Galtier was heralded as this genius who was able to go from a small small team per se, talking about Nice or Lille, to Paris Saint Germain and just make all those great player play together. And then the World Cup comes and after that, it just doesn't work for them. So I think it's more all the promises that the first three months offered. And then everybody was just waiting for Paris Saint-Germain to collapse. And the only way for them to actually not be disappointed would have been to reach maybe the semi-final and at least pocket the, the French Cup in the middle of that. Unfortunately, they failed in, in, in where they were expected the most. They are lucky that they get that many wins before the World Cup. Because all those um, defeats after the, the break could have been much, much costlier because Lens was in such form and because Marseille up until the last month also w was playing well. So I think that's probably where the disappointment comes from. The The title is deserved because if you look at the first three months, they were just untouchable. Uh, so they had taken enough uh, advance to get there and then they won the two games that matter. They beat Marseille, they beat Lens. Uh, they were always able to level up when it mattered domestically. Unfortunately, in Europe, they didn't do it. And then again, that loss, I think, against Marseille in Coupe de France probably pushed everybody over the edge um, with with the rest of the season. I think as well, something that added to the disappointment uh, happened away from the pitch. It's sort of all the drama that kind of came in like a concentrated burst in Paris over the space of a couple of weeks. I think that, uh, you know, sort of really laid bare just sort of how little progress has been made because at the beginning of the season, it felt like a lot of progress had been made at Parc des Princes. You know, you had Galtier and Campos coming in, this sort of new, uh, you know, power partnership at the at the top of the club. You had a lot of disruptive influences moved on. You know, PSG themselves championed sort of how many players they'd, they'd been able to get out over the, the summer transfer window. Yet, <clears throat> you know, it it kind of papered over the cracks. 
and then everything that came out ever since. I mean, some of it out of PSG's control as well. We have to recognize that, you know, the, the Galtier scandal was going to come out, uh, you know, regardless of what was going on with PSG. But then you had another season-ending Neymar injury. You had sort of, you know, the, the Messi scandal with his trip to Saudi Arabia and sort of that endless debate about whether he'd be extended on a new contract or not. I mean, you know, Kylian Mbappe's future, I think, is always going to be talked about every single season that he plays in uh, in Ligue with PSG. So, you know, there's always been this kind of pressure cooker away from the pitch. And, you know, this time it boiled over. And I think it's kind of t- tainted, uh, you know, what PSG achieves on the pitch in Ligue 1. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about this is massively disappointing. Yeah, it is still an historic achievement, you know, to overtake the likes of a, a Saint-Étienne, you know, sort of outright. Uh, you know, people were talking about that as if it might be impossible at the beginning of, uh, you know, the the Qatari era, or there'd be this expectation that, you know, PSG would sort of do what Leon did and win sort of seven seven straight titles and, and overtake it immediately. That hasn't been the case. They've been made to, to work harder than some people expected. Uh, you know, so now I think we're in this weird, weird situation where, you know, people sort of downplay the actual genuinely historic achievements, which, you know, this counts as. Yeah, I mean, just to just to put this season in, in context, they they've topped the the table from the very first game, r- right through, and uh, that's that. You know, that underlines the quality. But as as you said, Jeremy, it's it's interesting. It's interesting what the season might have been had the World Cup been at the end of it. I think that that's a that's a that's a probably fair a fair question. But I think also a fair question is is now. What the hell next? Quite frankly, I mean, uh, just just one little side note: Messi's 496 club goal, uh, surpassing uh, Cristiano Ronaldo to become the highest scoring player ever in the big five leagues, etc., 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 etc. Messi's going to go. I think that that's uh, that's that's fairly that's fairly certain, um, unless I hear any 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 contradictions uh, otherwise. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, more on him in a minute confirming that he will be there next season. Although I would like to officially start the debate about what happens at the end of Killian's contract next season right now. So I'd like to say that I claimed that first uh, because uh, that's clearly really the question. Galtier, though. PSG have run through coaches at 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 an alarming rate. Coaches who then have since gone elsewhere and, and proven that they remain good coaches despite the fact that what, what happened at, at PSG and what was perceived to be failures such as Tuchel, such as such as Emery, Jury perhaps still out on uh, on Pochettino, but let's see what he does at Chelsea if he, if he eventually rocks up there as as seems likely. But Galtier, for my for my money, has consistently been the best French coach of the last ten years. He's maybe certainly in the eyes of the media been overtaken by by Franquez this season. More on him as well uh, in a second, but. I mean, Galtier, are we are we looking at him going as well, JJ? And and when you look also, and I think this needs pointing out this weekend, um, not only well, our thoughts with with Sergio Rico and his and his family after after the the terrible uh, riding accident that he that he had on uh, Sunday morning, but you look at Messi who who isn't at the uh, at the award ceremony last night. Uh, even though he was nominated for for the best league game player, you have Neymar, who Christoph Galtier said has uh, had trouble uh, traveling around due to his injury, which meant he couldn't join the other injured players, such as Pristinel Kimpembe and, and Fabian Ruiz. He'd gone to Strasbourg with the team to celebrate the title, and yet on Sunday rocks up smiling and very happy at the Monaco Grand Prix, uh, Monaco and pa- Paris, uh, significantly further than Monaco and, uh, than Paris and Strasbourg. That reflects badly on Galtier. Maybe, maybe it shouldn't, because I think possibly those those three operate on a, a level uh, even above Galtier. But what are PSG going to do with Galtier? Do you think, JJ? I mean, there's a you know there's a lot to unpack in there. I'm glad you mentioned Franquez because uh, I caught uh, an interesting comment of his uh, over the weekend where he admitted that there's sort of been some approaches for his services denied that PSG were one of the clubs to have come in for him. But, you know, he definitely seems to have sort of overtaken Galtier as sort of the leading French uh, tactician who's still based domestically. And, uh, you know, I think really PSG and Galtier put past the, the point of no return uh, some time ago. 
that's a mixture of things you know that's a mixture of the the scandal that he was embroiled in but also you know also down to the fact that he and campos their relationship has clearly deteriorated over the last couple of months the season that he's overseen on the pitch yes a, a large element of that is out of his control with the world cup but it's still been extremely underwhelming uh you know and the fact that really it didn't ever feel like he was PSG's number one choice last summer to start with. Now, you've still got some of those candidates available once again this summer. Uh, and it feels like sort of this is going to be the next part in PSG, uh, you know, trying to, to move in a different direction. At least that's what we're sort of being led to believe. Uh, so I find it difficult to imagine, uh, you know, Galtier staying on uh, beyond the end of this season. I think he'll oversee the final game of the season uh, at home to Clermont. Uh, and that'll be it. Um you know, I do hope to see him back on a on a bench, preferably in Ligue 1 at some point in the future. I think he's a fantastic coach. So my opinion of him hasn't changed. Uh, but, you know, we know that PSG is a very sort of unique uh, beast, unique challenge, uh, you know, for any manager, whether they're French or, uh, or foreign. And really, for me, I think that, you know, Galtier... We'll probably be relieved that it's uh, that that it's over, uh, you know, because I think he'll feel a massive sense of frustration at what might have been before the World Cup break and what has turned out to be uh, since then, uh, as well as you know these constant, um, you know, sort of not not mind games but sort of power struggles with some of these sort of individualities. And I, mean, I think you were quite generous in mentioning sort of Lionel Messi not being at the UNFP awards. He was back in Barcelona watching Coldplay. So it's not just like he didn't turn up to the awards. It was, you know, he was somewhere else, whether that's an indication as to where his future lies, because I know that there's been a lot of speculation that he'll go back to Barca. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, you know, the situation with Neymar, him turning up in, in Monaco for F1, it, it really just, it does feel like it's almost an impossible job for, for anybody, at least anybody that doesn't know what PSG are like and how, it oper how they operate as a club beforehand, which is perhaps why somebody like Thiago Motta coming back to PSG as manager might make the most sense now because he knows how it works uh, internally. I'm just saying, I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking when I hear the words Christophe Galtier and potentially on a new, on a new bench in Liga, uh, Monaco springs to mind more, more of them later because I, I don't see Philippe Clement, uh, lasting, lasting very much longer. Unfortunately, unfortunately for him, um, they could pass, perhaps if they're just looking to secure top flight uh, status next season. They could go to Fr uh, Frederick Antonetti, who uh, who are who our producer uh, Stephen Willis has, has referred to as Corsica's Harry Redknapp, which I think is probably fair given that Sam Allardyce took Leeds down this season. Although uh, Allardyce pretty much had a, a mission impossible. But let's let's get back to the French. Let's get back to the French football. Uh, Jeremy Mbappe yesterday, no real surprise, wins the fourth Player of the Year awards justified or, or or not justified i mean i don't think there was really anybody else uh, anybody else going to win it top scorer uh, league and champion etc but the real the real big news as we mentioned earlier is that he's 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 going to be staying next season how do they build around him because that that's what surely psg have to do now he's, and, and more importantly who do they build around him he said he's going to stay and what and what else is he going to say when he's just being awarded Player of the season. I mean, any anything else than just saying I'm going to play my last year of contract at Paris Saint-Germain would have sent the media and the fans in in a whirlwind. So so he has to say that. But you know, if you if you're Paris Saint-Germain, you know what what are you doing? You're you're going to try and hopefully have another season of Mbappe and and try and show him that you want to build around him just for him to walk free. Uh, in one year, you know, I think it's a it's an interesting debate into who Paris Saint-Germain wants to become now, and it, it kind of attached to Galtier as well. You know, Galtier has had a very complicated season, but if he stays next year, he's lived through a season of all these complications, and he's not going to have Messi, and potentially not going to have maybe Neymar as well. So he might be actually asked to be a coach now, and not a, a manager of you know oversized egos. So, so he could actually have a chance to perform and show what we know he's good at, which is putting players together tactically and 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 make sure they perform. Back to Mbappe, you know, if if you're Paris Saint Germain, you almost have to really consider telling him this summer because the amount of money you can get for him right now, plus the amount of money you're going to save by not paying him his his famous uh, uh, what is it a, a bonus of of being faithful to Paris Saint Germain? I think every single year. He gets something like 70 or 80 million just because he stays one more year, one more year at Paris Saint-Germain. 
So his salary plus the money you would make in transfer plus not paying that bonus, you can almost build a whole team just with that money. And instead, what you're going to do is try and spend heaps amounts to try and surround him with players that maybe would entice him to stay one more year. I think it's a complicated one. I just, I just like to to confirm to the listeners that although JJ and Jeremy appear very regularly on this podcast, neither of them are on even half of what Mbappe gets as a as a, as a retainer. So you'll be you'll be pleased to know. Yet, um, although they wouldn't mind, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just to, just a couple of the other awards that to to, to run through. Uh, Franquez, the coach of the season. We'll talk a bit more about Lonson in a little while. Nuno Mendes, uh, the young player of the season. I think that's possibly debatable. Jeremy's uh, Jeremy's sort of shaking his head, looking at a, 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 a little, not entirely non-plus, but not entirely in agreement with that one. Is that fair? Yeah, Elie Wahi would have deserved it, but but I think it's uh, it's players' vote, right? So there's no there's no doubt that Nuno Mendes is one of the most talented players we have in in Liga, um, and he's been good for Paris Saint Germain this year, I guess, compared to some of his teammates. But I think when you look at the the trajectory of an Eliyahu or even a, a Fowler in Balogun, you'd think that that's kind of the players that you want to uh, to reward for that trophy, in my opinion. Well, Eliyahu he did 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 get a gong uh, to put on the mantelpiece, probably the first of of many that he's going to get in a what should be a really stellar career. Although uh, I'm sorry, Montpellier fans are likely to be at Montpellier even next season. Uh, he gets the goal of the season for his acrobatic uh, uh, overhead kick against against Leon. I think one of the one of the four that he got on the, on that day, uh, which was an incredible game, uh, and Brice Samba, uh, the goalkeeper of the season. Uh, talking of Leon, Leon uh, with a three 0 win against Reims. Uh, Bradley Barcola, there's a name that uh, many teams could do worse than trying to get uh, right now. Although his uh, his stock has risen exponentially since 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 January. Lacazette. Uh, Close, close to Mbappe with 27 goals, but uh, still expect Mbappe to take out the top scorer awards. Montpellier, uh, two. Our friend Tishy Savanier, the entertainer-in-chief um, and uh, red card magnet uh, with a couple of goals before Nice came back. Gaetan Laborde, you know, haunting his former club, etc., etc. Nice winning uh, three goals to two, a little bit of... A little bit of uh, runner form at the end of the season for Didier Digard as Nice look to to build into next season. Clermont to Lorient, Neil Clermont up to eighth. Pascal Gastien, I mean, really, if Franquez, it he must have run Franquez close, surely, in that uh, a tremendous tremendous achievement. Speaking of Franquez, where he is next season could well depend on what Lens do in the summer because. They have Champions League group stage football to look forward to. That's because of what happened at home against relegated Ajaxio at the weekend. Angus Turrod saw this one. Thomason, another good addition. Another good ball into the middle. And there's the first goal. 15 minutes gone. And it's David Machado who puts Lawrence into a lead that could be taking them into direct qualification for the Champions League next season. But the former Toulouse man heads the home side just that little bit nearer to taking on the likes of Real Madrid and Manchester City in the Champions League. That's a nice ball forward and a chance for 2-0. Adrian Thomason, the former Strasbourg man. They're just standing back, our Ajaxio, allowing... a their host to just pick out the passes for Kunda Medina here with the sliding ball through and a lovely finish by Thomason. Saw the goalkeeper coming out and just took it past him. Adrian Thomason scoring in back-to-back games and sending Lawrence towards the Champions League. Corner kick, Fulgini looking towards the back post. Referee has seen a penalty. Vansal Marchetti might look bewildered. But the referee is pointed to the spot. Kevin Danso gets the plaudits from his teammates. And a nightmare first half continues for Ajaxio. Umar Gonzalez with the yellow card. The last penalty was taken by Primoswar Frankowski. He's suspended tonight. Lewis Appender takes over responsibility. And hits Lawrence into a 3-0 lead 11 minutes from half-time. His 20th goal of the campaign. 
and surely now they can relax. Simple stuff for Lewis Appenda, who has enjoyed a remarkable season himself. It's 3-0 to Lens, so we're not even at half-time. So Lens wrap up uh, second place. Sorry, Jeremy. Uh, it's not going to be... It's, it's going to be a very, very circuitous route into the Champions League group stage for, for Marseille. Champions League football at the Stade Felix Bola, it just gets me... It just gets me incredibly excited for next season. Third time in Lens's history, the first time in 20 years, and they have been to the, to the moon and back uh, in, in that time. JJ Lens, Champions League group stage. We have mentioned this, that perhaps the squad is a little bit underrated in terms of the fact that they don't have massive standout stars. I mean, Seko Fafana, if, if, if Lens draw an English team next season, it will be Manchester City flop Seko Fafana, right? I mean, he's their big star. Um, how much rebuilding or how much restructuring is Lens going to need to be able to compete at that level? And given what Franck Ez has said, uh, come out and said this weekend about he doesn't want this to be, this is not the end. This is basically the start of something to build on and that he wants a very competitive team next season. And <clears throat> it looks like he would, let's say, consider his future if they were to sell two, three, four members of this of, of this current Lance side? I mean, I think it's uh, it's going to be a really interesting summer for Lance, perhaps more so than any other French club, because, uh, you know, let's, let, let's not forget, a lot of people seem to think that Lance have come out of nowhere. And okay, perhaps in terms of sort of the last couple of years they have, but, you know, Lance are, are not sort of no-namers in terms of representing France on the European stage, far from it. You know, the early 2000s, uh, you know, Lens were helping to to fly the flag for for Liga uh, on the continent. Uh, you know, and it's going to be great to have them back. I think if you could select, sort of handpick some of the the fan bases to best represent Liga. Uh, you know, when it comes to continental competition, Lens are right up there, along with the likes of Strasbourg, the, the likes of Saint Etienne, uh, you know, the likes of Marseille, the likes of PSG. When the fans are actually sort of you know wanting to create a positive atmosphere, <laughs> so you know to have them, uh, you know, back in the Champions League group stage is going to be phenomenal. Uh, and when you look at sort of how this last project has been put together the last couple of years, uh, it's kind of a bit similar to to Brighton in terms of the fact that it's rooted in very, very smart recruitment uh, sort of and, and squad building. Uh, the, the club is very well run from the top down uh, and they will always make, you know, very pragmatic decisions. So how that relates to transfer dealings, you know, if a, if a really attractive offer comes in for a star player, you'd imagine that the club will consider it. But equally, you know, they have empowered Fonkes, uh, you know, to to now be in a position where he can perhaps sort of veto or, or you know, try to to make a case for, uh, you know, a star player spurning interest from elsewhere and staying on and, and sampling European football, Champions League football, no less, uh, you know, at Stad Bolat next season. And, you know, we've already seen Fofana reject a potential move away to stay with Lens, uh, you know, at the beginning of this season. Uh, he was asked about his future uh, before the UF UNFP awards uh, and basically said, look, I don't want to say that I'm staying uh, and then offers arrive and I end up going. But equally, people assumed I was going last season uh, and I ended up staying. So, you know, he's sort of basically leaving his future up in the air without sort of, you know, throwing any uh, any petrol on the fire. And, uh, you know, I think as well with with Ez, I, I do think Lance will look to back him because they know that with this squad, they can't really expect to compete both domestically and continentally. But also at the same time, they there has to be some way to, to potentially fund, uh, you know, a, a major uh, addition or major additions to the squad in multiple positions. So you do wonder if sort of the first big offer that comes in for maybe an Appenda, maybe a Fofana, you know, whether that will be considered, uh, you know, by the by the club to potentially get some business done early and then spend the rest of the summer rebuilding. But equally, you know, Lance will now have cropped up on the radars of many selling clubs. So when they come in, suddenly, you know, I think that price tag that they're asking for is going to be a lot higher, which is going to make it trickier for Lance. And let's not forget that Gisolfi, who is the sort of architect of their last major transfer window, has now left to Nice. This is going to be a, a big challenge for Gregory Thiel, who is overseeing now the, the sporting side of things for Lens. So, 
yeah, I mean, like we were saying, it's going to be a fascinating summer, but you know, who wouldn't want to join that project at this moment in time? There's just so much positivity surrounding there. And I'll, I'll be honest, it'll be really sad if we don't see Franquez uh, or Seco Fofana part of that last team, uh, you know, taking to the pitch for the first time in the Champions League next season. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll second that. I think that Ayers is probably playing a, a fairly clever game. He knows his stock is incredibly high. He, he as Alonso will be fully aware of that as well. And he does seem to have, since Shisolfi left, basically, you know, full powers. The, the sort of old, old school English manager, where he's almost taking care of absolutely everything except being basically the the, the quote unquote tea lady who 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 pops around the office with the cakes and and the tea as they as apparently they used to in the nineteen seventies and eighties at, at British clubs. It, it, I think also probably uh, Jeremy. I think it's a fair point that we can say Lens have proven themselves. Uh, I take the Gisolfi point, but Lens have proven themselves to be able to pick the right players. Look at Adrian Thomason uh, coming in in, in January, a, a player I have to say I I always thought was a a, a higher standard than he ever got to got to play with 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 Strasbourg or with Nantes or with I think was he was he at Saint Etienne as well was, uh, uh, on loan or am uh, I uh, am, am I making that up? Definitely Evian, uh, I think we all remember yeah. Evian right at the start, yeah. Um, so they've proven themselves to be able to pick those players like Appenda to 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 come through and, and and step up a level. How confident are you that they'll be able to step up a level next season in the Champions League? That's, that's the real question, right? When you talk about Franquez being now the, the best um, tactician in France, you know, can he do it when he's going to have to coach his team every three days is a real test, I think, for Franquez. As far as the as the team goes, you know, you, you almost hope that people remember that, you know, when Montpellier uh, won that title and all their players got bought over, only one, really, maybe, um, Giroud, kind of made it to the bigger stages and the other ones had a bit of a harder time and, and it was the same I guess for Lille a couple of seasons ago so you always hope that not everybody is going to jump on this Lance team thinking maybe they're not ready for, for the bigger stage they're good as a, as a group and not as good as individuals so maybe they're going to keep them there but you know if they get just a single result in the Champions League next year then you know that they're all going the Densos and, and Medina and, and you know Abdul Samed in the middle of the park uh, so I hope that he's going to be able to keep everybody by just you know telling them that You've reached the second spot. You've convinced everybody, as you were saying, Ian, that you're a great team together. Stay there and, and compete in the Champions League level together and show everybody what we can do. Uh, it's going to be, you know, bringing the people that have the experience of those games or taking the bet of the Adrian Thomasson, who was, you know, fighting for relegation in Strasbourg after an excellent season last year and then got out and helped Lance because it truly helped them getting to the to the Champions League this season, finding the right people that are ready for not only a bounce back, but a bounce back at a very high level. It's the trickiest, but like you said, Gisolfi did it well, obviously taught Frank as well because uh, he, he's got the right people as well. Can, can they keep doing this? Can they keep the Luis Openda's? Um, you know, can they find the right back? I think that's probably the only spot where they really need to uh, find somebody because this year they were trying with, with a few different players. Um, they will likely keep some of their best um, talent. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that Champions League. And they're going to be in the fourth hat. So you're going to see at least two very good European teams visiting them. If, if we are lucky as neutral, uh, maybe maybe not so much as a Lance fan, uh, three big teams as well. But it'll be a real test uh, for all of them. And if they can make it, I think next year is when you would see the players exodus. Interesting some of them, no, no, no doubt, at Lens. It's also going to be one down on the south coast for Marseille. Now, it certainly was last season already last summer, 12, 12 new signings, uh, lots of ins and outs at the Stade Velodrome. A defeat on Saturday at home to Brest, which it's really been the Achilles heel, the, their, their form at the Velodrome this season. Marseille have been fantastic away, uh, slightly underwhelming at home, which uh, which I believe wasn't the case. It wasn't the case. Uh, underwhelming couldn't be used to describe the uh, the pre-game uh, celebrations at the Velodrome, which I which I believe was for the the thirty thirtieth anniversary of France's so far only Champions League victory when Marseille beat uh, AC Milan. Basile Bolly with that with that header um, to uh, to to win uh, the the very first actually uh, Champions League. But I think there's a there's a point here as well, very very similar to to, to PSG, is that this now looks like a disappointing season. 
for for Marseille, finishing third, finished second last season. And yet, Igor Tudor's side right now has 73 points. That's two points more than Jorge Sampaoli's side finished with in second last season. Uh, Jeremy, as, as a Marseille fan, disappointed or just, well, you know, this is an exceptional season from Lons, exceptional season from PSG, and third was pretty much the best of the rest. I think it's true for PSG and Lens. I think for, for Marseille, talk to every Marseille fan, the day Tudor is appointed and, and say you're going to finish third this season and everybody would have would have signed. I mean, they would have signed without him at that time as well. Um, but it, it is it is a great season what Marseille have done. I think the, the disappointment is definitely just the what could have been and the results at home, you know, losing against the Ajaxios and Montpellier and Lorient uh, when you're able to, to beat bigger teams and better teams. Uh, you know, not being able to beat PSG or Lens in Ligue 1 at all uh, is also probably a true testament of where they are on the table, is where they belong. But I think that's where the disappointment comes from. It's two seasons in a row now that the home form is what basically uh, is the issue for Marseille. And it's not something that, of course, any Marseille fan wants to to live through. Uh, so I, I would think that's where they're trying to find, you know, what they should do to, I guess, fans want to win um, and they can't do it at home. But if you look at it, you know, can you call a season disappointing where you have more points than last year when every single weekend at the Stade Velodrome, it was completely full. I don't, you know, last year was great under Sampaoli, but the excitement wasn't as as big as what it's been this year. So I think everybody's been really excited. Uh, you know, fans have behaved this year in Marseille and, you know, it's not every, every year that you can say that. Probably you can never say that. Uh, fans behaving for a whole season in Marseille. So they have this year and they're just waking up now at the end uh, to uh, to sort of slight complaining. I think the the disappointment comes from the home form. This weekend probably it's a bit harder because, um, you know, I'm sure some of our listeners have, have seen that, but the whole weekend was full of um, celebration for the, the 30 years of the Champions League, which is, you know, it's it's sweet, but it also shows that for 30 years you haven't won anything. Um, but, it was, but it was great. You know, Marseille looked like it was burning on Friday night and uh, on Saturday, the the TIFO that the fan put together was was just beautiful. Uh, and every time we every time we celebrate that, we of course open the conversation about what actually happened 30 years ago. So so there's always that bittersweet feeling with it. Uh, and then when you do all this outside of the stadium and during the game, you lose to one to Brest without really the right fighting spirits. Um, I think that's that's where the disappointment comes from from Barca fans. They know what can happen. They know what Tudor wants to do and wanted to do and, and what he did. And then they saw all the failures. So it's uh, it's the what could have been. I, I I know there's going to be a lot of questions, but I certainly do hope that Dorsey at Marseille and finally we build a team where uh, the coach and the and the club is more important than the players and equally as important as the fans. <laughs> I think as well, expanding on, uh, on, on what Jeremy is saying, um, certainly with regards to sort of the, the home form and whether this is a disappointment or not. I think the disappointment, uh, certainly for, from an outsider looking in perspective, probably comes from that expectation that they really could have won some silverware in the Coupe de France after knocking PSG out. And then for that home form to come back and bite them once again at home to Annecy, who are still fighting for, for Ligue 2 survival at this moment in time. We mentioned Adrian Thomason earlier. Funny, uh, f- funny little uh, tangent to go off on, but he's actually part of the the ownership structure at NC, where he's invested in the in the club, which yeah could create quite an interesting dynamic should they ever play in the in the same league. But um, no, so so for Marseille <laughs> to lose and go out at home in the Coupe de France against NC, having knocked PSG out, I think that was a huge disappointment to the fans. Also, that last minute heartbreak as well in the Champions League. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. to, to go out of not just the Champions League group stage, but Europe all together with that last minute goal that silenced the Velodrome. Uh, you know, I think there's been some kind of traumatic moments for for the Stad Velodrome crowd, which has probably, uh, you know, tainted uh, moments of this season because, you know, OM managed to get it back together coming off of the World Cup break. But then again, it sort of fell away. And I think, you know, sort of going out of the Coupe de France uh, in those circumstances, really knocked the the confidence, as did the the Champions League exit. So I think there definitely is still that hunger to to succeed, as as we saw with the with the with the anniversary celebrations. But my feeling is that, despite the fact that Trudeau does probably have a strong argument to stay on, 
um, you know, sort of based uh, around sort of what we've been hearing the last couple of weeks, the fact that his heart quite clearly is still in Italy. Maybe should the right opportunity be offered, I don't know, maybe a Juventus, something like that. It could probably tempt Tudor to go. And if there is that feeling that Tudor might jump at the the first sight of an attractive offer back in Serie A, then maybe that's something that OM have to sort of take care of in advance. Um, and if they feel like they're going to be having to rebuild at some point during next season, maybe it's better to do it this summer uh, and build towards the future with a coach who, at the end of the day, can maybe stay for more than just a couple of seasons because that lack of stability, I think, now is is starting to to cost Marseille. Uh, you know, they remain competitive at the moment. It's the question of ownership as well. I mean, we've heard for years and years the speculation that, you know, Marseille might change hands at some point. Perhaps we're sort of closer to that happening than uh, than we've ever been before. And maybe that's what's sort of needed now to push Marseille to to that next level, to give them a bit of clarity, uh, you know, long, well, medium to long term, where the, where the club is aiming for. And if that means bringing in a new coach, um, not necessarily ripping everything up and rebuilding it, but, uh, you know, trying to find somebody who will be a better long term fit, then, you know, so be it, I think. I think there's an interesting question there as well. Now that now that I thought about Christophe Galtier at Monaco, I can also see Christophe Galtier at his former club where he played, his hometown club. He still got the accent, as was made clear uh, when he when he when he became the PSG coach. Christophe Galtier, the obvious answer. I mean, whether whether Marseille fans would uh, would would take to him particularly quickly, uh, given his given his PSG past, but he's he's still very much a Marseille boy. Um, he he's not going to be short of offers. I just wanted to just wanted to come back uh, to to a slightly frivolous, in fact, incredibly frivolous point. But you mentioned that goal in the Champions League, uh, JJ. I, I don't remember that goal. Uh, I do remember Sad Kolasinac uh, missing a missing a big header that he probably should have scored, and that would have made a difference. But I was actually I had actually just nipped to the toilet. Uh, because and then I was in the lift when that goal was scored at the Velodrome because uh, it, this this might stra- sound strange, listeners, but as as I do the the post match the post match uh, interviews at the Champions League game games at Marseille this season, as I did them, uh, you've got to get down there before before the full time whistle. So and you can, you can't be there a while, so you've got to take you've got to just make sure you you sort of time your run properly. And then here's something I didn't mention. 1998, you mentioned Lance in the Champions League. You know who was playing in the, that Lance side? Oh, uh, Smitsa, of course. <laughs> Smitsa. <laughs> Vladimir Smitsa. Vladimir Smitsa. Just to bring it I'm, back. I'm really, I'm really glad for Jeremy <laughs> that that story about getting in the lift for post match at Marseille had you going down into the, into the, into the mix zone. So yeah, it's kind of metaphoric for Marseille's European hopes. It was all you, Ian. Oh, yeah. It's an, it's an allegory. Brilliant. Moving on, moving on to, to slightly less interesting things. Well, Angers relegated, but ending the season with a, f- well, a fourth win of the campaign uh, against Troyes, who they'll be joining uh, in Ligue 2 next season. Let's see what happens with uh, Patrick Kisnobel over over the summer. Lille against Nantes. A big game at both ends of the table, really. Uh, Lille for European uh, qualification. Nantes for relegation. Non started in the bottom four. They remain there. Uh, now two points adrift of safety, but uh, more on that on in, in a sec. Lille up to fourth, though. That's also a consequence of what happened between Rennes and, and Monaco. Um, Joe David with a, with a couple of penalties. Uh, Lille apparently have scored 11 this season, um, which, is, which is a league, which is a, a, a top five European league high. Um... It's going to be an interesting summer there as well with Paolo Fonseca's future. Uh, Josie Font looking to get a, a contract extension, which will take him through to, uh, I think, retirement age, even though that's just been raised in France. Um, Nantes, uh, it really, really struggling. Uh, and their relegation destiny out of their hands. If you remember, three teams already relegated before uh, this weekend. Nantes now find themselves fourth from bottom, two points from safety, as I mentioned, because Auxerre got a 1 1 draw against Toulouse, uh, Ryan Ravellison, a former Los Angeles Galaxy player, which is slightly random, um, keeping Angus Turod relatively happy. Uh, Osea have their, have their fate in their hands. Uh, Osea or Nantes uh, going down, gentlemen. So the final, yes, the final fixtures for those two teams, Nantes at home to Angers and Osea 
at home to Lens. Uh, it's Auxerre or Nantes? In a word, JJ. Auxerre. Going down. Oof. You're not going to make yourself popular in these parts. And uh, Jeremy? I think I'm going to say Auxerre too. I think it's a, it's a really tough one playing <sighs> last to finish. I've, I've seen that one coming oh, mile, a mile away, having them on 16th just before playing last on the last game and, and facing a, a last team that's just too strong. Wow. Right. It's, it's as I say, two, two historic teams of French football. Uh, one of them will find themselves in Ligue 2 next season, along with Angers, Ajaccio and Troyes. Time for Deja Who. The last clue of the season. We will announce the winner in our what's been described as a gala podcast uh, next week. I'm not quite sure what a gala podcast. Uh, maybe I, maybe there'll be sandwiches or something like that. Um, huge amounts of fanfare and uh, you know possibly autographs, uh, selfies, that sort of thing next week. But you've got to get this one right. Who am I? I made my league and debut at just 18. And two years later, was a first-team regular and a crowd favourite for my spectacular style. Starting in the north and then headed south and then west, I spent 16 years in France before my one and only brief stint overseas heralded retirement. During my career, I won the Ligue 1 title twice, as well as the Coupe de France, and I lost a continental final. Famously, immediately following one of the worst matches of my career, I set a Ligue 1 record which remains to this day. Who am I and what is that league and record? If you think you know who it is, quite frankly, blank looks all round here, send your answers via email to league1podcast at gmail.com. Actually, I think blank, blank looks all round is, is pretty much the motto of this podcast at, uh, at, at various stages of a Monday morning. I was, I was speaking for myself, gentlemen. You're, you're both. You're both highly clued up and uh, know exactly what you're talking about. So one big game to go. Rennes against Monaco. This was this was uh, sixth against fourth prior to the weekend. Rennes just outside of the top five. Monaco faltering towards the end of the season, but still trying to cling on to fourth place and Europa League qualification for next season. Callum Brown saw this one at Roson Park. Traore. Good cut back, looking for Lovro Meyer. Has found his way in. And that has been coming for Rennes. Benjamin Bourgeois with the cutback. He gets yet another assist. Brilliant move. Bourgeois' cutback. It's actually not his best hit. Lovro Meyer. Probably questionable from Newbert. But Rennes won't care. Query. Rennes come forward in search of a second again. Bourgeois with a cross. Amin Guiri. They find the seconds. And that surely sealed the three points. Well, it all came from Benjamin Bourgeois. Monaco don't deal with it. And Amin Guiri gets his 15th league on goal of the season. Bourgeois gets it back. It's a pass into Guiri. It's right in at the front post. Maybe there'll be question marks over Nubel. But there should be question marks as to why Guiri's free. 2-0 here to Ren. So Ren moving up to fifth on goal difference ahead of Monaco. Lille then, consequence of that victory um, at home, moving into fourth. And Monaco out of the European reckoning ahead of the last weekend of the season. Uh, just the fixtures for them. Monaco at home to Toulouse. You've got um, Lille who are away at Troyes and Rennes, who were away in a derby at, at, uh, at Brest, who are actually in really, really good form under, under Eric Roy. It promises to be a really exciting last day of the season again for the European places. Monaco, if we remember, missing out on automatic qualification for the Champions League next season in, 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 fairly, in fairly dramatic circumstances. Um, Gentlemen, Monaco falling apart at the seams and Lille and Rennes coming up on the rails. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, it, it's been a second half of the season to forget for Monaco because let's not forget, <clears throat> normally they 
save their kind of faltering form for the first part of the season and they finish like a house on fire and it's kind of gone. Uh, you know, it hasn't worked out that way this time. There's massive questions now about Philippe Clement and, and, you know, make no mistake about it. You know, Monaco cannot afford to finish without any form of continental football. It's already complicated enough when it's not the Champions League, let alone them dropping out of any UEFA competition full stop. Uh, you know, so there is an expectation already that a number of big names will be on the move. You know, Wissam Ben Yedda's sort of situation at Stade Louis has become ever more complicated over the last couple of weeks. There's been a lot of speculation about Axel Di Sazi, uh, Yusuf Fofana as well for, for a long time now. We know that Nubel is not uh, going to be staying on as, as goalkeeper as well. So there's, you know, already massive questions that have surfaced and before the season has even finished and we know whether or not they've made Europe. Uh, you know, I think Clement, it's really difficult to make an argument for Monaco continuing with him next season. Certainly the feeling sort of in and around the principality is that he is unlikely to be there. But equally, Monaco is a very difficult sell for, for a manager when they don't have European football because it makes that project so delicate, uh, you know, and most of the talent will have to be sold off in order to keep them sort of on a uh, on an even keel financially. So, you know, this is a, a massive final game for Monaco. Have to win to stand any chance of getting themselves back into Europe at the very last minute. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, you know, I think we could see, you know, Mo this Monaco side picked apart, losing players that they probably didn't plan to lose uh, because they won't have any choice but uh, to cash in on them. I think there was some worry for me. There was worrying comments from Crepantieta uh, at the weekend saying basically that they down tools at times this season in, in in recent weeks doesn't say a lot for for squad harmony doesn't say a lot for Clement uh, being able to motivate them I mean he he, he definitely looks like you know for for slight over overstating it but like basically a dead man walking this is this is probably the last game shoot this is almost certainly the last game of Philippe Clement as, as Monaco coach next weekend isn't it Jeremy yeah I mean it has to be probably the only positive you can find him is that he launched some young players uh, that you know might eventually bring some um, transfer revenue to Monaco, but that's probably what it is. And and he's a uh, he's, he's protector, so to say. He's also out Paul Mitchell. So so I think you know he it, it has it has to change. And there's going to be like JJ mentioned a lot of changes. Um, if they can be in Europe, it's probably better for them. But if he can be in Europe, it could be the the, the tree that hides the forest, kind of say, and and probably prevent them from actually rebuilding properly and, and trying to it's been four or five years where they're just flirting with Champions League Europa League and just didn't perform at that level as well so maybe they need to actually kind of restart the whole thing and go back there and and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be too unhappy if they miss out on Europe because I think Lille really deserve to get there with the football that they've played under Paolo Fonseca uh, and Rennes even though they had a pretty atrocious couple of months um, before and after that they've actually been pretty solid as well under Genesio and and they, they've been really working well to, to get there. So I think Monaco, very much like Lyon last year, probably need that time to really sort of like recenter and refocus on, on what they're doing at the club, be it quite complicated in the principality. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Lille and Red are pretty deserving of, of going to European champion, uh, European football, excuse me, next year. Yeah, just to, just to clarify that. So Lille on 66 points, Rennes on 65, Monaco also on 65, but Ren basically just have to match Monaco's result because their goal difference is is plus sixteen better. Uh, I don't see that. I don't see a swing there. Um, but Ren still could catch Lille, as could Monaco if things go their way uh, to qualify for for the Europa League. So I think that brings us handily round uh, to almost the end of this podcast, and it's time to look ahead to the final round of the season. It's come around very very quickly once again. It's time to take a little bon voyage. Gentlemen, 90 minutes of the campaign to go. Just a, just a little side note, uh, a little tearful to be watching the, the, the season disappear. It's, it's going to be a short, uh, a short summer for, for us all, given that the World Cup break has, has kind of extended the season. Into into early June, um, disappointed to see it go. Overall thoughts on the season? I, mean, I think it's uh, it, it's had its moments. Um, you know, I think there's been some fantastic stories. I think you know, Lance finishing second is, uh, is is phenomenal, and it's 
something that I can't, I think we all kind of hoped that the last form would continue uh, after the World Cup break. And, you know, that's been the case. Uh, you know, I do think that there's been some, uh, you know, major disappointments as well. I mean, that's, you know, let's not beat around the bush. We've got one of the worst teams in Ligue 1 history and Angers as well going down. Uh, it's been a very unique season as well because we've never seen four teams going down and we know that Ligue 1 will change forevermore from next season onwards with only 18 teams, Ligue 2 as well for that matter. But, you know, I think there's always, uh, you know, sort of positives and, uh, and, and negatives. We knew that this season was always going to be quite tricky and, and very different to what we'd known with a World Cup slap bang in the middle of it. Uh, and it's produced some positives and some negatives. But I think, you know, by far and away, I imagine most of our sort of fondest memories regarding this season will probably center around loss uh, at some point in the future when we look back on it. Yeah, I'll echo, I'll echo JJ's feelings there. It'll, it'll, it was some disappointing moment, but when you think of, you know, Regis Lebris' start of life at Lorient and, and Will Steele's start of life at Reims and, and you know, at Nice as well, DJ Gigar, uh, all those teams able to, to have those, those crazy runs. And there's Akarian coming back to Montpellier as well. We've seen some, uh, some pretty interesting moves. And then, of course, the, the disappointing one, I mean, Lyon and Monaco not faring as well as we would. Uh, unfortunately, the first Australian coach to go into a, a big five league, just completely crashing trois down to to Ligue 2, where you know he might he might stay or he might not, but not getting a, a getting only a win, I think, in, in the whole of his uh, tenure. Uh, you know, it, we're going to miss Ligue 1 as we always do. Um, you know, luckily for some of us, we're going to get into a European football quite early in the summer, um, so so we'll get <laughs> some football uh, <laughs> some football again quite soon. Uh, but it's uh, it's been a very very entertaining season. The four um, relegation was always going to make it uh, interesting. I think uh, seeing Lens overperforming was uh, was probably overdue for a team of of their caliber and for their public. So uh, it'll be probably uh, their season for sure. And that's how a Marseille fan puts a good spin on finishing third. Um, final, <laughs> so final games of the season. Then, gentlemen, Marseille away at Ajaxio, which. There's definitely worse places to go in early June than 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 Corsica. Um, Lens away to Auxerre, as 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 we mentioned. Rennes, that Breton derby against Brest, looking to secure uh, European football. Nice against Lyon, which uh, sounds sounds fairly juicy at the the Allianz Riviera. PSG against Clermont, the the title celebrations. Plenty of other decent games as well. Um, JJ, what do you like the look of? Yeah, I mean. I'm and ahhing about what I'd say in this section. I think I'm ultimately going to go for Auxerre, Lens. Uh, I, I would be tempted by Nantes, uh, Angers as well. But for me, I think it's got to be one of the games where something is still on the line. So as much as uh, I could be tempted by a number of the other games, I'm going to stick with uh, Auxerre. I think, I think for me, interesting. it'll be interesting to see what the title celebrations are like at the Parc des Princes. Uh, see what the, 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 the sort of the atmosphere of that is and, and how positive or otherwise it, it, it may well be. Jeremy, where do you fancy going? I think I'll go for the other battle of, of the relegation, seeing Nantes against Angers, just because if Nantes do um, manage to, uh, to save themselves, well, we'll get to see another uh, joyous pitch invasion, most likely at La Beaujoire, uh, which would be, uh, eh, which I guess wouldn't probably be the just reward for the, the pretty bad season they've had, but it's always good to see uh, fans happy and, and being able to save yourself at the last um, they are, I think it's uh, it's a feeling that can barely be topped. Yeah, certainly. I, and, and not do have my favourite, absolute favourite all-time football flag. I, I can't even say it on this podcast because we get an explicit rating. But um, check it out because it's very, very funny. They also used it. They also did it as the T4 at the Coupe de France final. Um, and it, it's basically, I guess, somebody's somebody's said that in frustration at. Nantes not playing up to the style that they that they usually are accustomed to, which is a very fine footballing style. They certainly haven't done so this season. Nantes, Angers then on Saturday. All the games, as per usual, in the final two rounds of the season being played at the same time. So it'll be an absolute bonanza of Ligue 1 football at the weekend. And you can see all the highlights of all the last games of the season, as well as every single game this season on the official League our Uber Eats podcast, uh, League and Uber Eats uh, website, I should say, league1.com. And please uh, do like, subscribe, follow, and recommend this podcast to all your friends who uh, should really get into French football because it is the breeding ground of the very best footballing talent out there. 
So the Bull Show will be back next week with our last episode of the season gala episode. Uh, apparently, I'm very much looking forward to to what that actually means. Uh, we'll be wrapping up the entire campaign, uh, an in-depth look as well as at how things might change at Champions PSG over the summer with a, the uh, exclusive chat with transfer guru Fabrizio Romano. We'll have the winner of the final Deja Who for this season. All that and more next week on the official Liga Uber Eats podcast in English. Le Bourgeois. All that's left for me, Ian Holliman, to say is uh, goodbye. We'll see you again next week. And thank you to uh, this week's panellist, Jonathan Johnson and Jeremy Maggot. Bye for now. Here's an opportunity, Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it!